This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Good morning to Teachers Talk Radio on Saturday, the 5th of February, with me, Zoe Enser. Today, we're going to be exploring how we can ensure those CPD events have a lasting impact. And I'm really pleased that I'm going to be joined by my special guest, Amjad Ali. And if you've got any thoughts on this, how can we make sure CPD matters? Text in. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and you are listening live. Tune in live at ttradio.org, or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good morning, everybody. And you. Every time, it doesn't matter how many times I do that little tech uh, tip that I've been told to make sure that doesn't happen every single time it decides to do it. Hopefully, we won't have too more, many more technical issues today. I'll try that again. Hello. I hope that everyone today is well and that you are having a nice, relaxing Saturday morning. Um, I was hoping for some sun down this way. We've uh, had a few sunny days. Uh, a few sunny days uh, this week, which I've really enjoyed down in Sussex, but uh, it's still a little bit grey out there today. So maybe this afternoon we'll get a few more um, glimpses of sunshine. Uh, it does change the way that you feel about the world. It, it does change how, you know, those lighter nights and longer days and feeling a bit warmer. Um, but at the moment, I'm absolutely freezing. Thank you to those people who have joined into the studio. Uh, a loyal follower, I'm really pleased to say. Morning, Mark. Um, so today, today I am going to be discussing about, you know, CPD again. As I've said all the way through, this is a bit of my obsession. Um, I think it's something that... Um, hasn't gone well for us in the past and and that's internationally and you can there's a wealth of research out there as to you know the problems that have gone on with CPD and why it's not making a difference to what we're doing in the classrooms and that's what we want we don't want to waste our time on on, uh, on activities and thinking and approaches which aren't going to make a difference to the students that we're working with and as I've said from the start you know this isn't something that's necessarily gone well and if you're anything like me, you will have experienced sessions which have literally kind of gone in one ear and out of the other. And uh, you've sat there and, and it's, it's been you know, arranged for somebody to come in from outside and, uh, you know, they might have a wealth of expertise. But by the time I've walked away from that at the end of the session, half of what I've learnt or, or meant to have learned in, in that particular area seems to have left me. Um, and it doesn't matter, you know, those sessions may have been really interesting. They, they, they could have been incredibly informative. As I said, the speaker might have had a huge amount of expertise that they were bringing along and were really engaging. But if I was going back and I was thinking, well, actually, what I really need to spend my time on now is uh, marking books. Uh, and that was a, a very hot topic earlier this week on, on Twitter. If I need to actually not worry about any of that and, and I'm going to focus all of my time on making sure all of my books are marked, 
um, or if I'm worried that I haven't done an aspect of planning and, and that particular session wasn't relevant to what I'm going to be doing in my next lesson. Um, or indeed, if I'm thinking about the, you know, 105 other things, you know, I finished that school, that school day, that inset day, and I'm thinking of 101 other things that I need to do, then um, I, I'm just not going to be using it. And by the time I come back to that, I'm thinking, well, was that relevant? Have I got time to embed it? And very often those sessions are lost. Um, if you have experienced similar, I'd really like to hear from you. Or indeed, if you've heard the opposite, if, that, if this is just me being Mrs. Negativity um, about some of my experiences, if you've had fantastic opportunities and fantastic sessions and you've found particular ways to make sure that that has had an impact going forward then um, do uh, text in or call and let me know your thoughts about it it's not just me rambling today and I am really excited because I'm going to be joined a bit later by uh, Amjad Ali and, and Amjad um, he, he, he's been renowned as, as a CPD provider. Um, he, he travels all over. Um, he's also a teacher, and I'll, I'll let him talk in a, a bit more detail about that. So that, that isn't a case of, you know, that's what he does day in, day out. But he's got a wealth of experience around this. And I'm really interested to see, well, how can we make sure that those sessions where we've got somebody wonderful uh, like him coming in are really making a difference to, to what's going on? Um, it was interesting that this also came up um, in as part of the CPD chat, which uh, was going on on Wednesday. If um, you're on, you know, if you're on Twitter and, and uh, you're interested in CPD, I really recommend that you follow um, Ed CPD chat. They uh, do a live uh, tweeting discussion every fortnight on a Wednesday at 7.30. And uh, RJ McDonald, he was he was fantastic in helping set that up. And now it seems to be uh, quite self-sustaining. I'm sure there's lots going on in the background, but other people come along and host it and present different ideas around CPD. And people talk about that for the half an hour. But you can always go back. And I, I, I always find something really interesting when that discussion comes up and something that takes me in a different direction and and this week it did even though the the, the key discussion was about a blog post from uh, Sandringham Research School um, it came up with this idea you know this point about well what do we do with those sessions those big sessions those event CPDs I suppose um, and you know how do we make a difference and there were some some real little gems that came out of that of what people were doing to make sure that it made a difference. Uh, Marcus said, you know, I'd be really interested about providers turning down schools when asked to provide CPD. How often do people say, sorry, that is outside of my area of expertise. Keep stumbling across people offering CPD in things they seem to know nothing about. Um, yeah, that, that's a really interesting one. And, and certainly I've experienced it. I've had people that have approached me and said, um, would you be able to come and, and work on this, would you be able to present on this? And um, and my boss is like, yes, absolutely. Yes, you can go and present on that. And, and, and I will often push back and say, am I the right person for it? Is there somebody else that, that we can connect them to who might be better um, to deliver this, have got more experience or, or knowledge around it? Um, and so, you know, certainly from my experience um, and, and, you know, I, I having kind of been through the situation in schools where I've sometimes been in sessions and thought, um, well, 
I'm not sure about the expertise here and, and I'm not sure how it relates to me. I think I'm incredibly mindful of that. And, and I'm, you know, if somebody says to me, you got, could you come and deliver something on um, this aspect of uh, the primary curriculum? Or uh, how about coming and doing something on DT? So, you know, it really, I'm, I'm not going to be doing that. And I do push back. Um, Mark's uh, got a question of Brandy that, that I must remember comes up. What's the weirdest thing? that uh, he's been ever asked to deliver on in terms of CPD. And that would be a, an interesting one. Um, and also, could, I, could you come and do some CPD? We don't mind what uh, it's on. Um, yes. And, and, and I think that kind of brings me back to my thinking around this. And my thinking around this and, and the way I approach it is that I always start with trying to get as much um, in-depth information about the school you know I'm very aware that I'm coming in from a context um, that, that might be very different to their experience and then every school is different you know even if you think there are a huge amount of commonalities and there are some uh, key commonalities but you know regardless even if it's the school that was just up the road from where I taught for 14 years they would have certain differences with their community certain differences with their teachers their systems their setup where their staff are in terms of their understanding. And so I always start that process by trying to get as much uh, information from the school as possible. And that's really tough, I find sometimes, you know, I'm, I'm going to be talking a lot from my personal experience. I, I find that really challenging because often it's a half an hour Zoom conversation um, as opposed to actually going into the school and, and seeing what's happening on the ground. And you tend to rely on one or maybe two people to really have an in-depth understanding of exactly what their school needs and you know and, and absolutely excellent leaders have that they have that understanding but I'm trying to gather as much understanding around that as possible from them in that really short space of time um, and I'm always keen to understand why they've selected this particular topic and how it fits within their overview of curriculum and, and, I, and I've talked before about the fact that sometimes historically there hasn't really been an overview of um, of the CPD curriculum and the ideas around it and I think that that comes back to the you know I'd love you to come in and just deliver some CPD because there are some really harassed uh, CPD leads out there or senior leaders who are responsible for that I, and I know I was one for <laughs> for a few years there and all of a sudden you've got this uh, this session or this inset day and people saying, well, wouldn't it be nice if we had Xing or wouldn't it be nice if we had wine or we, we need something different. We want to liven the staff up. We want to give them an opportunity in a sense that there's something different. Then, you know, personally, I, I would much rather that we develop something in house and we gave staff lots of time to explore an idea together. Um, maybe drew on some of the resources that uh, are cheaply or freely available out there. You know, I'm probably doing myself out, out of huge amounts of work here by, by saying this, but I, I'd perhaps rather draw on that. Um, and if I was going to invest the money, I'd want to invest on a really nice lunch for the staff, um, some decent coffee, um, as, as opposed to, to the slightly dusty instant at the bottom of the jar. And, uh, and you know, Get, create the conditions for them to feel that they could develop in that time and then the time and space going forward uh, in order to do that and uh, as I say I'm, I'm probably not going to be again popular with my boss um, but because I'm saying this or, or maybe with other providers it'll be interesting to know what Amjad feel, feels about this but um, 
you know, having held that kind of CPD budget purse strings, I, I'm thinking carefully all the time about, you know, what's going to be the most appropriate use of that and how can I make sure that it's, it becomes embedded? You know, if I think it's important and teachers and, and the school leaders feel it's important, how can we make a difference? So I've got this really short, small window, about 30 minutes or so, where I'm talking to a school leader and I'm trying to establish where does this fit? Why is this your priority? Um, what do your staff already know about it? And I think that's a big gap as well. And, and there's nothing worse than standing in a hall of um, you know, 100 teachers and being told that, um, oh, no, that they've never encountered any of this before or, you know, they're really familiar with it. And, and they know everything about it. So we want you to go much, much deeper. We want you to kind of take that in a, a, in a different direction with that. And I, I, we want you to really go heavy in on the research that, that lays underneath it. And then you're looking at this sea of faces. And as you talk to the people who are involved, you're realising actually that initial assessment wasn't quite as clear. So, you know, I, I want leaders to be really honest with me when we're talking about that and, and to maybe even you know, if, if there is time allowing to go away and, and just check some of those um, ideas they've got, check in terms of, you know, where are our teachers at, you know, and why are we choosing this? Why are we looking at metacognition? Why are we looking at questioning? Why, are they, why do these matter for our school? Um, and what problem are we trying to fix? And so I'm kind of doing that from a distance and remotely and not being there on the ground and with the teachers and talking to them. And that can make that really challenging. The, the other thing, you know, kind of coming back to my first point about these CPD sessions where they might be fantastic and you might feel really inspired and motivated. But uh, I recall seeing or hearing David Weston talk about this a few years back at, at Research Ed and, and it being kind of akin to going shopping. You go to these wonderful events and it, and it could be, you know, a, a Saturday conference that you've gone to and, and you've given up your own time for that as well. So that's a slightly different slant on it as well. And you, you go to the event or you go to the inset session and somebody delivers this really inspiring presentation um, about how, I don't know, we could all be using different colour hats in our lessons or whatever. And we, we go to those sessions and we feel really good about it. But it, he made this uh, kind of connection with going shopping and, and you've picked up all of these lovely, wonderful ingredients off the shelves that look really beautifully wrapped and, and appetising and interesting and that's going to be fantastic. But unless you go home and create something with those, unless you make a meal and actually take the time to prepare what's needed to prepare and set the scene and all of those other things, then that shopping trip would have been largely a wasted shopping trip um and i always that's that's kind of stayed with me hearing him say that and 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 it really stays with me when uh, i'm talking to schools about potentially delivering something for them um you know they're they're picking me up off the off the shelf <laughs> you know they they you know i'm in their shopping cart they they they've decided they like some things about what i've said they've read blogs by me or they've seen me present and they're really keen for me to come and talk to their staff about that aspect but I want them to be really sure that when I leave, that that's going to have had an impact and that they can make sure that that goes forward, that it isn't just something that stays there in that day and people will say, oh, you remember when Zoe Enser came in? Yeah, that, that was a day that I didn't teach um, and could have been doing something else. Or, or, you know, that was a day where 
she was all right. Um, I, I want it to make a difference. And, and all the time, you know, it, it comes back to, to what's the purpose of it? What is it that we're trying to achieve? And how can we really make sure that it isn't just one or two staff that benefit from that if we put on that kind of event, but that everybody can potentially benefit for that? Or indeed, whether, you know, we say, perhaps we don't need this perhaps this isn't the approach that we would go for again i'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts and and um, if you want to text or or call in um, i'd love to hear your voices and and uh, know what your thoughts are around that um, i'm always aware as well that uh, you know I, I focus a lot on secondary it tends to be secondary schools um that ask for for me to come and to work with them although i have had some primary schools that I've worked with, and certainly I work with primary teachers in different ways. Um, and, and kind of the, the courses I run, I may well have primary teachers that are involved with those. But it is again an area that I'm, I'm not always sure how does this translate back? How does that make a difference to what's going on there? Uh, oh, there's a comment on Twitter. Um, boss Tom Rogers tells me um, certainly important to talk about to the school about the individual needs is essential. Uh, totally, I, I totally agree. Um, and if we don't do that, if we just go, oh, that that's going to be nice. I can I can come to your school. I can have a look round, meet everybody, do my spiel, say what I have to say. Um, I, that wouldn't sit well with me. I, I I don't think I'd feel comfortable having taken people's money haven't taken people's time and I, and I think for me it's all, it's almost always more about the time and the fact that uh, that there are however many teachers that are sat in a hall that very very valuable time we know they don't ever have enough I want to make sure that it makes a difference and that their that time isn't wasted and that's really important and um, and okay, you know, it's it's good sometimes. You know, I, I've been a bit negative, I think, here uh, in terms of it. It is good to hear from other voices, and I think that's often why when we we try to bring people into our schools from outside and draw on their expertise, we we want to hear a different voice. That it can feel sometimes that you've got the same people who are standing up in staff meetings, or uh, inset sessions, or twilight, and and it can be the same people, and it gets a little bit insular. So hearing that range of voices, hearing from people who are coming in from outside can change our thinking and be, you know, and dis disrupting our thinking. I think, again, that's a term that sounds a little bit negative, but I quite like that opportunity to have my thinking disrupted a little bit and, and challenged. And I, and I might be grumpy initially. I might fold my arms and go, well, they clearly don't know what they're talking about because I know my school and they don't know my school and I know my lessons and I know what goes on there. But even if I might initially be grumpy, <laughs> then I, I will go away and have a think about that um, and, and consider it and, and reflect on it and come back to that um and and i think that is is quite essential else you you do end up getting quite caught in your own habits you get you get you know that this is why i kind of read and uh, and write about education because it's so easy to get caught in these loops and and some of those loops it's absolutely fine you know it, it's not a case of change for change sake but but it does come back to this idea that we always want to do better for the young people that we're working with and CPDs are opportunity to develop that further and to take it further. Um, so seeing that kind of alternative approach and, and, and hearing something different, again, is, is useful. And um, well, certainly, again, from, from my perspective, 
Um, and I'm sure that there are others, again, out there who, who will have heard things that have inspired them. We, we see it a lot with um, the online sharing. And, and I think there was a real kind of boon to that during the lockdown period where we had lots and lots of videos suddenly appearing, lots of freely available sharing. We were coming more adept at using the technology and, um, and making kind of recordings of ourselves and, and showing how things went in lessons. And, and all of a sudden that opened the doors for some people. Um, obviously that relies on you having that access or and having that time to do that. But, but I think it did kind of open our eyes and open our doors. And as I said, you know, I'm really hoping to learn a lot about um, what's going on, you know, or how to make the most of this. Um, Amjid has been doing this for a lot longer than I have. Um, and he talks in terms of the thousands of teachers that he's worked with. And I know that he does deliver on quite a few different areas as well. And so, again, I, I'd be really I'm going to be really interested to hear what he has to say in terms of um, how he makes a difference and what's going on there. Um, and, it, and it was I asked him to come on particularly, uh, not only because, you know, he's pretty fabulous, but I, I remember seeing a uh, sort of tweet from him a while back. And it, and it could have even been a few years ago, but he'd created um, a performer um, which was was there for kind of teachers and schools to use in relation to his CPD sessions and um, gave them a prompt and an opportunity to look at what they were doing in preparation for that and what they were going to do um, after the sessions and how they were going to take it forward. And, and it, was a, it was a bit more than just simply saying, you know, and what are your next steps? Um, and I know I can sometimes fall a little bit into that trap when I lead CPD. Um, and, and it does that. Oh, I've got a call. Oh, somebody called in. I, I just about caught it there. Um, if you want to call back in, I would love to hear from you. Um, it may well be Amjad himself, but uh, the name wasn't familiar there. So, uh, you know, if you do, do want to call back in, I will try to be a bit quicker off the mark there. But, uh, you know, I, I fall into that trap myself a little bit of saying, you know, what are your next steps? Oh, um, Joe says, uh, Patrice Bain, the wonderful, amazing Patrice, um, did that at Research Ed. I'd, um, again, tell, tell me a little bit more about what she did, because I didn't catch her session. Uh, we, we had a selfie opportunity, but uh, um, I, did, I didn't get to see her session. So uh, I'd love to hear a little bit more of that. There we go. Hello. Let's see who I've got joining me now. I've got a caller that's joining me. Hello. Hi Zoe, Sam Jed, how you doing? It is all fantastic. Um, I, I saw the little handle there, and I wasn't sure who was I, joining. I'm me. not sure what handle I'm in either. I don't know. Um, C N S D N F. I don't. I don't know what that is. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, it's lovely that you've joined me this morning. Um, Thank you so much really, for having me. Oh no, yeah. I'm. I'm looking forward to. Um, to hit learning from you really this morning and, and I've been sort of discussing and exploring uh, my experience of uh, people coming into schools and kind of thinking about it from the point of view of, of that teacher and I said you know with my arms slightly folded and and thinking well mm -hmm. what do you know about my school and mm -hmm. you know what's your expertise and, and uh, you know, I, I wasn't always terribly grumpy but I do make myself sound a little bit grumpy when I, when I talk in those terms but also then from that position of the CPD provider and schools calling me and asking me um, to come in and 
me being really mindful that I want it to impact. And I know that's something that you've talked uh, and I've seen you write about as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and that idea that you really want to, to make a change and make a difference. Yeah, of course. I mean, one of the scepticisms about um, external CPD people, consultants, trainers, whatever you want to call them, trainers, um, mm-hmm. is that how cost effective is it getting someone in um, to speak to your team for a day or for a few hours or half a day or whatever, and kind of what what's the benefit of that? And mm-hmm. ultimately, it comes down to the word that applies to pretty much every principle in education, which is leadership. You know, if you, if you just think someone's just going to come in and woo the crowd for a day um, and that's it and your job's done in terms of leadership in the area that they're talking on, then that's pretty poor leadership. So it's about thinking on how the people that are in the school are going to continue that drive. Um, and ultimately, it comes down to hearing probably a similar message from another voice. Um, mm-hmm. And it's a little bit frustrating, isn't it? Like when somebody comes in and delivers an assembly, say, for example, to our year 11s, and you think, guys, I've been saying that to you for the last <laughs> five years. You know, it's it's not that they're saying something groundbreaking, but it's hearing it from a different angle or a different tone or a different way so yeah mm-hmm. it, it, i'm interested in kind of discussing your viewpoints on the impact of that and how we can make that really really beneficial yeah absolutely and and i think um you know as you say there about you know the, that that year 11 where you've been saying the same things over and over again and the message hasn't gone got sort of got across to them mm-hmm. um i think that is really true with staff and i was talking about that we can sometimes get a little bit insular and so then hearing that from someone else with different experiences, but then how it relates to, you know, potentially your, your school, mm-hmm. um, that can make a difference to, to how we think about it. And, and it can be, and, and I use the term sort of disruptive or, or challenge. And, and I mean that in a really positive way, mm-hmm. because you can have kind of positive disruption and, and positive challenge. And, um, and I think that's kind of what I, I like in that aspect of it that it can just shift your thinking slightly and shake you up a little bit, I suppose. Yeah, and, and the, the thing about hearing a message from somebody else psychologically is common as part of our human psyche. If you think of our parents telling mm. us to do X, Y, Z continually and then an aunt or an uncle or a neighbour or someone else that we kind of just might listen to in a slightly different way says exactly the same thing, yet suddenly our mindset shifts around that so i think there's a i don't know the the psychology around it but i think there is something in that in hearing something similar but from a different angle maybe or from a different perspective um which kind of that (laughs) which kind of ties into the whole one-off cpd delivery slot thing because it depends so i always say good cpd should involve ideas time to think and expertise and I've kind of prefaced all of my CPD sessions around that. So people don't want to sit there um, and just hear somebody talk at them for a whole day. Nobody wants to do that. And I know that because I'm a teacher working four days a week. So if I sit through a CPD session that's like that, I would be one that would be very uncomfortable with it. And I would struggle just just maybe mm. to even sit still for that long. Um, so you need ideas. You need something that will actually invigorate me into thinking, how am I going to change my habits? And then good CPD should integrate time. And this is where, again, the leadership element comes into it. So I've worked with hundreds of schools where I say, look, 
we need to build in time throughout the day where the subjects or the areas or the groups or whoever I'm speaking to have time to integrate those ideas that we've just talked about. Not just then saying, off you go and try to fit them in however you can amongst your lessons, because that won't happen. And then finally, good CPD should be delivered by somebody with forms of expertise. So I, I heard you mention earlier that I deliver in a, in a variety of areas, but mm. I've turned down tons of requests where I say, sorry, that's not my expertise. Sorry, mm. that's not an area that I, I would never claim I'm an expert, but I'd claim that I have expertise in certain mm. areas. So it frustrates me often when you read tweets or um, you see uh, requests from people saying, look, I've got to deliver a CPD session on XYZ. Has anybody got any stuff that I could use to deliver it on? Mm. Now, there's twofold to that. Yeah, you might just want to compare your notes and maybe, you know, improve or whatever. That's cool. No problem. But if it's I've never delivered on this and I don't really know what this is, but I have to talk to it, then we're missing that third element of effective CPD. So they might provide ideas. They might provide time. But are they providing expertise? And and that's an element that we need to be clear about in effective CPD. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and, and I think you know, I've got a certain sympathy with those um, tweets that I sometimes see where people are saying, I've been asked to deliver on literacy. Anybody mm. got anything that I can, I can look at? Because that tends to be from people who aren't necessarily coming from outside, but it tends to be that person who looked willing or didn't look the, the other way when, when somebody was asking for volunteers in but the staff room. that's the thing, room. it <laughs> comes down to leadership again, doesn't it? It's mm. like, what, what are we aiming to get out of this CPD session? Are we just trying to plug a hole or are we actually trying to upskill and improve incrementally and developmentally our teachers? Um, mm. So it's thinking about how we're piecing together those CPD sessions. And one of the things that I do as soon as I start at a school, because Obviously, nobody knows who the hell you are. Um, so you just say very, very clearly, look, I work four days a week in a school. You list what subject you teach. You list what, what phase you teach in, how long you've been teaching. And it's interesting when you reference the fact that I'm actually currently still doing this. Mm. And that kind of, I see a visible sigh of relief, which mm. I know brings two debates to this equation. Like, you know, does it matter if you're not doing it right now? How long until you haven't done it, until you become stale in inverted commas? And all of those kind of questions come about. But overwhelmingly, the feedback that I get is it feels like you're talking from a position as us. And that's interesting because that reception of that CPD then changes somewhat rather mm -hmm. than someone that is delivering on an area that you're saying to, say, for example, behavior management is the most interesting one. Um, and they will say, well, have you had to deal with this XYZ situation yourself in the last, I don't know, five years? And then it opens up a kind of whole kind of quiet storm around the necessity to be doing it practically or mm. knowing it theoretically or both. Yeah. I, you know, I think Mark, Mark said, you know, it drives him mad exactly to kind of have that, you know, can you just come and deliver it? But that, that point you make about uh, the authenticity, the fact that you're doing it is uh, something that I've had to grapple with myself mm -hmm. um, because obviously I'm not in the classroom now, um, despite having, you know, worked in school since 1997, making me feel really, really old. Um, and it's a question that I ask and it's, you know, especially we're having people experience COVID and, and, and what happened in lockdown there. And, and I would sometimes get asked, you know, can you deliver something 
on remote teaching. And I can remember being asked that um, about three weeks in to to the lockdown, and it's like, and and myself and, and a colleague of mine, we both absolutely said absolutely not mm-hmm. because we haven't been doing it. And but, and you know, I, I can I can give you certain tips and ideas around teaching generally, but I haven't been sat there with a class of. 30 students at the other end of their laptops trying to navigate the technology, trying to navigate how do we turn things from kind of the, the, you know, the, the classroom world, which mm-hmm. was very familiar, to being the other side of the screen. And, and so I've kind of walked away from that in the but, past. But I think, I think there's, there's a multitude of kind of areas that need to be addressed via CPD. So, for example, I've seen, obviously, uh, your latest upcoming book on teaching Shakespeare and mm. those elements. Like, I don't think, personally, it makes any difference if you're not currently doing that. Mm. If you've spent a long time doing that, then the theory and the rationales behind it are concrete. So I wouldn't have any issues with someone like yourself coming in and saying, look, I've taught Shakespeare for 20 years, and this is how you can really make it come alive. Mm. However, if you had somebody delivering a CPD session on, say, for example, our favorite differentiation or scaffolding, Mm. and then saying, no, but you need to do this and this and this, and you're sat there going, but I've got 45% send in my class, Mm. and I've got 28% people premium with another 20% of those that are EAL, I don't think you quite understand what that looks like for Mm. me doing that day in, day out. Yeah. They are kind of quite distinct, and those kind of those kind of areas are, are are interesting. And then you've got the whole kind of debate around. Obviously, I deliver anti-racism training as well, mm-hmm. um, and is it appropriate for someone that's not from um, a BAME background to deliver anti-racism training? And that's an, uh, another kind of debate. And then you've got the same debate around. You know, should someone like me, who would be categorised as neurotypical, be delivering training on, say, neurodivergences such as autism or ADHD or dyslexia. Mm. And then so it, it spans out quite wide, but ultimately it comes down to those three things, I feel. Ideas, time to think and expertise. If you could demonstrate those three things, you can really delve into a, an effective and productive CPD session. Fantastic. What I'm going to do, if that's okay with you, Amjad, I'm going to go to the news Mm-hmm. And then I want to come back to your kind of point about um, authenticity and, and who you are, because I know that you're very well known. <laughs> but at the same time, I just want to give you a chance to talk a little bit about your context, um, your experiences and, uh, and and some of the kind of expertise that you have and the, and the areas you cover. Is that is that OK? That's absolutely fine. In that time, I'm going to try to go and rename myself and then I'll call back in. <laughs> it was very, very confusing for me yeah. there for a minute. All right. And here's the news. This episode of Teachers Talk Radio has been made possible with support from Witherslack Group, the UK's leading provider of SEN education and care. They're here to support you, too, through an ever-growing offer of free resources, including webinars, podcasts, articles, and events aimed at supporting teaching professionals like you. Visit their website at www.weatherslackgroup.co.uk to find out more. Introducing Uplearn. Uplearn is an online curriculum learning resource for A-levels that improves student outcomes whilst reducing teacher workloads. 
teachers use Uplearn to facilitate independent learning and consolidation of classroom material. Over 150 schools have seen grade improvements with Uplearn, including St Paul's Girls School, Michaela Community School and ARC Schools. Book a demo at uplearn.co.uk and quote TTR for 10% off. That's Uplearn. U-P-L-E-A-R-N dot co dot UK. Whatever learning looks like this year, bring lessons to life with Nearpod. An exciting new addition to the Renaissance family, Nearpod offers real-time insights into student understanding through interactive lessons and videos, gamification and activities, all in a single, easy-to-use platform. To help kickstart the new year, we're offering all primary and secondary schools in the UK and Ireland full free access to Nearpod for the whole spring term. So, no matter what 2022 brings, Nearpod makes switching between in-class and remote teaching simple. Visit www.renlearn.co.uk forward slash Nearpod and sign up for your free trial today. If you're listening to this, then we know we share one thing in common. A passion for the type of outstanding education that every child deserves. That's what makes us the leading provider of specialist education and care. We need people like you to help us achieve even more. With us, you'll be given all the resources and support you need, offered a clear path to career progression, and be rewarded with some of the best salaries and benefits the industry has to offer. We are with a Slack group. If you'd like to find out more, we'd love to hear from you. Visit www.withaslackgroup.co.uk forward slash careers and be part of our future. This is Teachers Talk Radio and this is Teachers Talk Radio News. Perpetrators are finding new ways to groom and abuse younger children, including through social media and dating apps, according to a report by the Independent Inquiry into Child Sexual Abuse. The inquiry, chaired by Professor Alexis Jay, concluded that local authorities and police forces are struggling to keep pace with the changing nature of child sexual exploitation. The report warned that there is a false assumption that exploitation by organised networks is on the wane. Professor Jay previously investigated abuse in Rotherham, and said that there may also be a fear that places will be labelled another Rotherham or another Rochdale. The report found that child sexual exploitation has now become a hidden problem, in danger of being underreported. Six areas were focused on as a part of the inquiry. St Helens, Tower Hamlets, Swansea, Durham, Bristol and Warwickshire. They are areas that have not already been subject to investigations into CSE. The report emphasises that too many victims of child sexual exploitation are treated as offenders and states that more effort must be made to prosecute perpetrators effectively. The report makes six recommendations, including improving the identification of and the response to child sexual exploitation. Professor Jay said, The sexual exploitation of children by networks is not a rare phenomenon and not confined to a small number of areas and that all agencies, including education, should be alert to the signs. According to a report in The Guardian, one in eight primary pupils in England had COVID last week. Figures released on Friday by the Office for National Statistics suggest that infections may now have peaked in primary age pupils, but the surge continues to cause disruption to attendance. 
prevalence also remains high amongst secondary schools, with an infection rate in England of 1 in 15. The Department for Education has launched its new Education Staff Wellbeing Charter, which applies to staff in England. On the government website are details of the declaration of support for and set of commitments to the well-being and mental health of everyone working in education. All state-funded schools and colleges are invited to sign up to the Charter, and the website has links to a range of resources. An article on the Daily Monitor website discusses fire safety in schools in Uganda following a fire at a school in Kawempe in January. The fire broke out in the girls' dormitories and left four pupils dead and three seriously injured. The Uganda National Fire Protection Association reports that around 5,000 fires occur in institutions of learning each year. Many are now calling for a greater focus on fire safety to prevent loss of life, damage to property and disruption to learning. This should include installing firefighting equipment in schools and clear identification of escape routes, as well as smoke detectors and fire alarms. This has been your Teachers Talk Radio Weekend News with Joe Fox. This is Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods, your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello, this week we're going to take a look at teaching online. Marmite comes to mind when I think about teaching online. I actually like it, but it's my job and I'm surrounded by gadgets to assist me. A lot of teachers hate it. If you think about it, for 90% of the current population of teachers, delivering a lesson online is something they've not even been trained in. They signed up to be in the classroom with a group of pupils. I'm not going to go into the depths of the delivery platform. That's normally a choice that's already made for you by technology leaders in schools. I'm going to give you a couple of free tools that work in a browser, so don't need installing and can be used for engagements in the classroom and easily adapted to use online. First up, we all love Kahoot. Did you know you can set a Kahoot to be self-paced rather than live? Simply click the assign button and you have an instant self-paced quiz for a homework, a starter or a progress check. If you need to take it online, share the link and off you go. If you use lots of YouTube clips and websites, check out Wakelet. Share collections of links in a meaningful way for free. My favourite use for this is to group my YouTube clips for topics. Not only are they played back with less distractions, but I can share a group of links for revision or to flip a lesson. Again, if I have to teach online, one link can lead to many. Just remember to check your school's policy on using websites such as YouTube for online teaching. If you have access to devices in the classroom, why not try Mentimeter? Create interactive presentations, take votes or build word clouds from participants' answers to improve engagement, assess learning and inspire discussion. Or, if you love whiteboard, try whiteboard.fi. As a teacher, you can see all your classes' whiteboards and answers, know who's interacting and who's not. You can even show a QR code for ease of joining. I could go on and on. The idea is to test these things out when you're with your class and there's no pressure. Then, should you need to teach online, you'll feel more comfortable, there'll be fewer issues, and most importantly, you'll see if pupils are engaging. I hope you consider bringing a bit of tech into your classroom. As always, please test things work in your setting before you use them. For a visual version of this episode, check out the TT Radio 2022 Twitter feed. I'm Steve Woods, and that was Two Minute Tech. Two Minute Tech with Steve Woods. Your tech briefing on Teachers Talk Radio. Hello again. There I was playing with the tech and it was still threatening to go wrong, but I think I just about caught it. Um, Zoe Enter here uh, talking to Anjad Ali about uh, CPD and the CPD provided from uh, outside of your school. Really interesting discussion so far. Um, there's a comment that came from Twitter um, where they're agreeing with uh, Anjad's point about not listening to people within your local setting. 
uh, reminds me of not being a prophet in your own land. People take for granted what they're familiar with. And, and I think that's true. You know, oh, this this person yet again telling us about how to do this. And, and all of a sudden, somebody new comes in, a new voice, a, a new way of approaching it. And it doesn't have to be revolutionary and, and different in what they're actually saying in terms of the content but how they're approaching it uh, it makes it quite different now um we were talking about authenticity and we were talking about that credibility and the idea of um you know that person standing in front of you being able to to say that they're they're walking the walk not just talking the talk and and my own feelings around my position at the moment with that and uh, i was going to give uh, andrew an opportunity to to talk about his own context a little bit and um a bit about his journey in teaching and and uh, what he does and where his expertise lies thank you for coming back no problem thank you for having me um often a question that i get asked is how did you get into delivering CPD one day a week, kind of how did you make that decision? And I guess it all stemmed from, so back in the day, some of us will remember what an advanced skills teacher was. Yeah. Um, so I become an AST in teaching and learning, or, you know, it was trendy to be called learning and teaching then. Um, mm. And part of the package of that advanced skills teacher role was the local authority would buy a day a week from your school and then send you over to the various local authority schools um, and deliver CPD in different areas within the framework of teaching and learning. However, when the new government come into post, um, they scrapped the advanced skills teacher role. Um, but lots of those schools that I'd worked with got in touch with me directly and said, Amjad, can you still come and deliver CPD? And I was like, I, I don't know. Am I, can I? Am I allowed to? I'm not sure. Um, they were like, yeah, it's no problem. You know, we'll just pay you direct um, and we'll just sort it out with your school or you sort it out with your school and whatnot. So that's where kind of the initial startup of delivering CPD stemmed from. Um, and then it just kind of widened into my when I when I got my first uh, senior leadership job, I discussed the kind of need of allowing some flexibility in me being able to deliver CPD. Um, and the school was very accommodating by uh, blocking my timetable on a Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. So I had a Monday and a Friday available to be able to do that. And then my my current school, which was a startup school, we're in year five of the startup school journey now. Um, I secured a point eight um, position with them right from the outset to make it clear that I do this and this is what I enjoy doing. Mm. Uh, the context of my school is... Uh, interesting we have uh, lots of people that have worked in startup schools will know that you get a well above national um average influx of students with special educational needs and disabilities um because they haven't had the the worry or the concern or any prior experience of the school not doing well enough for them or their siblings before or whatnot so you get a lot of a lot of intake around the send um, needs and and I absolutely love that I'm a Senko by trade as well um, so you know that's that's part and parcel of my kind of package and what I do but lots of what I've been delivering CPD on has always been about encapsulating the needs of quality first teaching or teaching to the best standard so being a Senko and the teaching and learning lead is really powerful because you don't need to fight with one or the other person in asking for slots on the CPD calendar because you're designing the CPD calendar yourself and, you know, designing 
things whilst being the pupil premium lead, ensuring that those areas are fundamental in the CPD delivery and the CPD package is really, really helpful, really, really powerful. Too many schools that I work in or seen or work around, you have the Senko saying, if only the teaching and learning lead would involve this and the teaching and learning lead saying, if only the Senko would integrate this. And you're just like, it's, it's a one and only job, like, you know, work together in ensuring mm. those things can happen. But then, as you know, in schools, we run the risks of being masters of our own islands and mm. worrying solely about our areas of responsibility and not seeing the kind of overlapping link between your role and someone else's role and their role. And that, and that might be due to the accountability agenda. But yeah, so it just kind of, I've been doing this for eight years now and it all kind of originally originated from my free website that I set up years ago on a, a blogger platform where in my first school I worked in, I had the idea that I said, well, if we all shared one idea, there's a hundred teachers here, we'll have a hundred ideas to dip into. Obviously, that didn't quite happen, and I ended up just adding tons of ideas myself. Um, but I thought, theoretically, it was a really simple thing to do, right? I thought mm -hmm. everyone just had one idea, and that would be cool. But it was on a, uh, on a tech platform, having to do mm -hmm. something that people aren't used to, and that kind of you know, helped shape my then further delivery. And then from that, people were like, okay, this is good, this is good. Can you explain this a bit more? And I was like, oh, I'd be happy to come in and talk about it. And yeah, so I've just been doing that for the last eight, nine years, one day a week. Um, yeah. And it's interesting how it's morphed. So during COVID, it morphed into webinars and online um, mm. conferences, etc. So working with Jennifer Webb and Emma Kate, we've, we set up, you know, massively successful events such as Primary Essentials and ECT mm. Essentials and Teaching and Learning Essentials. And then the pre-recorded element of CPD has been absolutely incredible at the moment as mm -hmm. well where schools are asking for bespoke cpd sessions that staff can dip into but mm -hmm. you've got to follow those criteria for me which is ideas time to think and expertise and kind of that's, that's where i am now on a friday i do that one day a week and i kind of work for myself i choose who i can work with and i know mark asked a question what's the kind of weirdest <laughs> thing that yeah you've been asked to deliver cpd on and uh, once I got asked to deliver CPD, obviously I'm not going to mention schools or anything like that. No. Once I got asked to deliver CPD on a specific PowerPoint that had been made for me and they gave me a script. Oh. And, and I said, <laughs> I said, I'm really sorry. Um, can't you just do that yourself? Um, mm. And they were like, no, no, we want someone else to say it. I was like, I can't do that. That's, these aren't my words. <laughs> these aren't what I would say. So I'm sorry. But equally, that's, I had a that's, I, that's yeah. I mean, I had a I had a weirder one um, where school said to me, none of our none of our teachers use powerpoints or whiteboards or screens. We don't believe in that. We believe in effective exposition of information, etc. And I thought, mm -hmm. okay, that sounds interesting. But yet, three weeks before my CPD session, they asked me to email the PowerPoint in advance, <laughs> and I thought, hold on, why do you need the PowerPoint? And they said, well, you know, we kind of want to read it ahead. And I went. Doesn't that kind of apply to your students as well? And they didn't, mm. they didn't get the link. So a bit of a connect there, isn't it? Yeah. So I, I just thought maybe I won't attend that one either. Uh, <laughs> but there are, there's loads of, uh, of points I want to pick up on what you've said there. I think you know what you were saying in terms of 
that collective responsibility around teaching and learning and and the senko role and and you know, it, it all should mesh together and obviously your role you're able to do that but you're right you know people do end up working in silos and and, and it does kind of have that line of responsibility and it's important to have an element of responsibility you know who's the person you yeah. can go to but uh, you know I've, I've had similar when you know when i was first picking up um on on cpd they wanted to keep it kind of as a separate thing from teaching and learning and I, and and i really struggled with that concept you know that somebody can be responsible for teaching and learning and somebody else can be responsible for cpd and and that that to me felt a little bit like i could be an, an events organizer um as opposed to the the person who was involved and 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 that kind of collective work as a, as a leadership team it was important that we all thought about what was it that we needed to develop as opposed to it, it kind of being sat you know one one idea over there one idea over here because then that doesn't allow everyone to be moving forward and to have that same vision and that same message and purpose so i i think it's interesting that you you're in that position to be able to to knit things together there in that way that's really good i think I don't think that's too different from lots of schools currently either mm. in terms of because the CPD kind of uh, area of responsibility comes with potentially a significant budget. The mm. kind of dis differences or the separation of those two areas is often um, made. And I think also CPD is often seen as two distinct elements, which is fascinating because I don't think you and I would agree with this because some people see CPD as the kind of wider development of an individual, say, for example, in their leadership areas, say, for example, mm. MPQSL, MPQML, and all of those kind of things. Or CPD is seen as the upskilling of teachers in an area of um, target or responsibility mm. that the school needs to work on. Yeah, we know that those two things are synonymous with each other in mm. terms of developing the school in a wider area. Um, but yeah, I think that 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 still happens in terms of the upskilling of teachers. And and you know, you all have delivered CPD where you all have people that will sit there and say, "I already know all of this, and mm. why am I here?" Um, yeah. And I don't think you know. As Lord Jim Knight said, the moment a teacher stops learning is a moment a student stops learning. So I don't think mm. all of us can ever get to the position where we go, no, no, I fundamentally know this. And it's fascinating because schools that I deliver CPD on, teachers will say, I've read so-and-so's book or I've done so-and-so's, uh, I've heard so-and-so's podcast or I've been on so-and-so's blog. And it's just like, okay, but have we changed our habits in what we're mm. doing? And how have we done that? And And that's where the kind of, the long-term validity of CPD needs to come in. Yeah, abs absolutely. And uh, and I, I often worry about the term in itself. You know, we're, you know, CPD, CPL, CPDL, um, PD, um, and, and the different terms that are around. And and I often do come back to you know that it, yes, it can seem like semantics, but thinking of ourselves as learners and thinking about uh, kind of building our knowledge and our understanding, and then taking that forward. Um, I, I don't know, I'm entirely happy with CPD being able to encapsulate that. Maybe it doesn't matter, but I, I think the way we think about ourselves and our own development really does matter. Absolutely. And I think one of the wider issues with CPD involves this kind of distinct uniqueness of it. So mm -hmm. it's 
me as a professional, as uh, as part of my career, I deserve to be enhanced and develop. Um, if I choose to, if I want to, of course. Mm. But equally, us as a profession, so collectively, mm. we need to be ensuring that we know and we're delivering and we are doing the most efficient and effective and the best possible job. And that's mm. where the overlap becomes quite difficult because, you know, I've written blogs about I used to think, but now I know. Yeah, mm. I, I track back to when I first started teaching 15, 16 years ago and I was teaching A-level law and I had students that still went to Oxford or Cambridge and I was thinking, but if I taught those students now, I wouldn't use any of those teaching practices yet still they performed and they did exceptionally well. Mm. And so did it come down to the, the basic crux of just really clear delivery and effective relationships and ensuring that you believed in them, the Pygmalion effect and all of those mm. kind of things or did it come down to the fact that I knew or I didn't know cognitive science as much as I potentially know now? Mm. And that's where it becomes complicated because you'll have teachers that say, well, I've never heard of this cognitive load theory, for example. Yeah, I've still done really well with my students. Mm. And it's just like, that's cool because maybe you've developed really efficient habits from the outset in ensuring yeah. that those things don't happen. And I think the worry is when schools stick labels on things and go to another session and then try to drop it back into a school, that's when it becomes slightly problematic. Yeah, I'm, I'm absolutely not a fan of, of that. You know, I've, I'm going to pick that up because I've seen it work here and I'm just going to lay it over the top of my school and that's magically going to happen. We're all just going to, to do this and we're going to have a nice little tick, sort of tick list mm -hmm. around it. Um, and I'm, I'm yet to, you know, I, prove me wrong. You know, if, if there are people out there who have been really successful in that, fantastic, and, and let me know. But I'm yet to see that being really effective. And what you see is things being shoehorned this is where we get the kind of mutations coming in as well because there hasn't been an understanding you get lots of resentment understandably mm -hmm. but you know, but, you know somebody you know we're just going to all do this this way now um and everyone's got to do it um, and obviously our our favorite phrase around that is a non-negotiable mm. um you know when was it ever negotiated for it to become a non-negotiable so you know it was it's like you know and, and, and as english teachers you and i know that you mm. could reword things that will still have that same effect so for example yeah. in my school we call them visible consistencies mm. which is a non-threatening version of saying look we want everyone to do this together because it mm. makes a difference as opposed to you will do this because this is what we told you to do mm. um and as as sean allison and andy tharby say and they're making every lesson count book um it's a tight but loose model we have to give an element of professional ownership to the subjects to the mm. specific mechanics within the school so tight in the sense of for example we want all subjects to do a retrieval task at the start of the lesson for example but loose in the sense of what does that look like for your subject is that mm -hmm. the same as mfl english history pe music dance and so allowing for that professional development enables that but equally you know, us sitting in those other areas, if we are given too much kind of freedom around things, we revert back to our habits and then just continue doing what we've always done. So mm -hmm. that's where leadership comes in, isn't it? It's the change management theory and bringing people yeah. on board and all of those kind of things. In, indeed it is. And, and um, you know, I, I'm a bit obsessed with the sort of teacher habits and, and, and pupil habits, actually, and how that links to motivation. Um, because... 
when you're trying to to change something it is really hard and and we need to support and scaffold people to be able to do that and then that one term will help them to feel more motivated to be able to take that forward themselves but it's knowing when to kind of scaffold and when to pull back and we do that all the time with students and I don't know that we've always got that balance right with staff and sometimes we're kind of pushing too hard in one direction or sometimes we're you know just kind of backing away and it feels you know particularly if you're new to the profession it's like oh yeah you know just just do what you feel and and that's not going to work really. yeah, you know, there absolutely. will be some that are successful but you know it, it's really tough and people get really overwhelmed quickly with lots of decisions uh, um, like that so they do need that support and, and you're right it, it comes back and, and I'm really passionate about um, that I think that um, there, there needs to be an, a, a real element of CPD and development uh, that's kind of owned by the, the staff on the ground, but they need to know that it's really supported and valued by those people above and, and the leaders and, and that we're giving them some direction and some focus around that. And, and I remember when I led on CPD a couple of years ago, um, we were, and quite a few schools, I think, moved into this direction where we, we gifted a day CPD to mm. all colleagues if they took CPD into their own hands and say, for example, went to a women ed event, a BAME ed event, went to a research ed event. Um, and then we had a day just before the Easter holidays where if staff gave up a day elsewhere or kind of did a, a course online or X, Y, Z, we said, no, have a day off because you've mm. taken CPD into your own hands. Um, and I think, again, that's great, but it's how do we then move into the change in habits? So I use kind of fuzzy phrases that I've been going on and on about that I've repeated over and over in sessions that I deliver. So the three words that I go on and on about are try, refine, ditch. So mm -hmm. I always tell people, you know, when you're listening to this CPD session, what will you now try? What will you pick up that is low effort and high impact based on Mary Myatt's words, low effort, high impact. Mm -hmm. And then what will you refine? Because there'll be lots of ideas that you're sitting there thinking, I used to do that. I knew about that. I've heard of that. I've done that before you were born, son. And it's just like, yeah, okay. So how are you going to refine that and bring that yeah. back into your practice? And finally, just as crucial as a try, what will you now ditch? What will you now not do any longer? Mm -hmm. And I kind of make a point of saying your try and ditch have to be balanced because otherwise you're going to have too much of one and it's not going to result in a effective change. And then ultimately accounting for the, the time you, I direct how I ask them to implement their intentions. So I would say to them, I now need you to fill in your try or find ditch document. I now need you to bullet point your try or find ditch document. And then towards the end of the day, we go into what does this look like? Short term, medium term and long term. So three, two, one, three short term, two medium term, one long term. And eventually just dipping in those ideas of we're working towards one tweak a week. It makes it less threatening. It makes it less worrying. It makes people think that actually this is something I could do. And ultimately, the biggest trick that, and, and I use the word trick on purpose, um, the biggest trick that we can do as CPD deliverers um, is make people feel like it was their idea in the first place. <laughs> and by them doing so, they won't think they're doing more work. And that's ultimately where we need to get them to be. Where do we want them to change their habits? Because no one, and I, I think you'll agree with this, no one ever has sat through your CPD sessions and thought, Zoe, you're making total sense. Everything you're saying is valid. I need to do this. This will make a difference for my students. But I'm just not going to do it because I can't be bothered. Yeah. They sit there because they're thinking, I don't know how I could possibly 
do this or put this mm. in place or make this happen because I'm so swamped with X, Y, Z. So that's yeah. where the ditch element needs to come in. I have to say, you know, sometimes when you, you know you talk in terms like that and, and you've got a whole staff there and there are leaders there, you, you, there is a little flash in some leaders, not all, but some leaders' eyes at the idea that you're suddenly saying to staff, what are you not going to do? Because they're thinking <laughs> everything needs to be done at the same time. But, but that's a conversation we keep coming back to in the profession, isn't it? We can't do everything. We can't just pile on more. We've got to think about, as you say, refine it. And, and I, I talk all the time, um, particularly when I'm talking about things like generative learning, about it being tools in our toolkit and whether that's principles of effective instruction from Rosenshine or whether it's generative learning or, or, where, or whether it's a different, you know, even sort of the teach like a champion. These are tools and you know, those tools need to be sharpened. And we do all want to, you know, be able to work more effectively and efficiently. We don't Absolutely. want to have to work hard. And that comes back to that motivation. And if people see the cost of the, the, as well as the value, then that makes it much easier for the connections to happen. It, you, you, um, Joe's sort of mentioned as well that she had some training this week and they did the same idea with the, the keep it, tweak it, bin it. And mm -hmm. she really liked that. So um, I think that's probably emanated out from, from your work there, Amjad. Uh, the, the thing that's interesting is, you know, you said the, 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 the win thing of a leader thinking, oh, what are you going to ask them to mm. bin? And that's where the pre-work needs to come in. Yeah. Very rarely does a CPD day involve someone just saying, Amjad, can we book you in for the 15th of January? See you then. You know, that pre-work needs to happen. Can I read your teaching and learning policy? Do you have a feedback policy? Shall we talk about the behavior policy? Who's in charge of this? Who, who can I have a discussion with? This is what I would like to share. And these are the ideas. And this is what it's based on. Does that mm -hmm. conflict with anything that you're talking on? Um, and so having those professional conversations prior to the CPD day is really powerful. Because then mm -hmm. if you're empowered to enable the teachers to say, no, I am going to ditch this that will really drive forward change yeah and, and i was um you know i'm really interested in that pre-work because I, I find that it can be it can be really tricky because often it's a you know i want to meet and explore it and you've got this 30 minute remote session yeah um and and you're relying on on them really you know they, they've got to know their stuff they've got to know why they mm -hmm. are asking you to come in how it all fits together um, they've got to do some of the groundwork with staff as well, um, as opposed to, and now we have this person who's going to talk to you. you know, mm -hmm. so, so there needs to be a lead in there. And, and, as, and ideally, as you say, really already um, enmeshed in the work that's happening in the school. So it isn't, you know, this person's coming in and suddenly we're changing a direction or we're looking at something that we've Absolutely, never yeah. really considered before. And, and I think that doesn't make for a good session. Um, and they also really need to know their staff. They really need to know you know where their staff are at and 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 be able to give you those opportunities no point saying that that or they know everything you know they're really really hot on, on modeling they, they've been doing that but i just want you to spend a little bit of time on that and all of a sudden you've got mm -hmm. people there going well i never model i don't do it in my class it's not something that's part yeah, of what i yeah. what my everyday practice is and, and i haven't really considered it before you know, you're going to have to change tack quite quite quickly and and luckily though those experiences are, are very few at least from my experience. It's, it, it, any that, tips you've got for me on how, how to get the best out? Yeah, and that, I, think that I, kind of, I think that opens up kind of two areas. So there's one where there'll be schools uh, that you alluded to there that will say, actually, we're really good at this and mm. our staff do this. And then they won't see a need for CPD in 
those mm. areas. So lots of schools that are maybe really high performing or have done well with their students, etc., in various guises, will say, actually, we don't need CPD session on this because we're all okay. But then, like you said, how do we actually know? Do we see that? Is that the case? And then you'll have other schools that will have mm. new senior leaders, people that have just come into role. They'll be really troubling, challenging circumstances. And we'll say, you know, we'll use the, the phrase a lot. We need some quick wins. And I'm not a fan of quick wins, low-hanging mm. fruit and all that. But, you know, you can give a staff body some really effective, low-effort, high-impact strategies that they can build habits around that will make a tangible difference to their practice. Mm. And I guess, I guess that's... And I guess that's where our experience needs to come in a little as well, because, for example, if someone calls you in to deliver CPD and they're new in post, that's where you need to kind of lead on that and say, actually, for teachers, this will be really beneficial. Tell me about your demographic. Tell me about your context. Let's think about how we could personalize that. But I guess that's where our experience comes in as well, mm -hmm. if you know what I mean. Absolutely. And, and I think that point you made about the, the quick wins, again, that's about that's about motivation as well. Because, you know, the same with students, we want to show them that there is something that they can achieve, there's something they can do, and that they can then build on that. And, uh, and, and staff need to see that sometimes, that it isn't out, you know, completely out of their reach. It's a, it's a bit like when you, you look at those sessions, and I, and I can remember sitting in um, the, some of the sessions that were run by um, the local authority way, way back in the day when it was a lot of national strategy. And they do a lot on guided reading and guided writing. Mm -hmm. And every time they'd put that video up uh, and and, and I, I think back now and I think, well, you know, I've, I've done that. You know, it, mm -hmm. it does work. But they do these guided reading and writing sessions and uh, you'd have this perfect class where the teacher was working with three or four students at the front in a small group and doing this really intense session of, of intervention with them. And everything else was perfect. And I can guarantee 90% of the room that I was in um, that were watching that would be going, yeah, but that, I can't do that in my school. Yeah, I can't yeah, do that in my yeah. setting. It feels impossible. Yeah. Like, yes, that might be fantastic, but it's an impossible dream. And, and I think, you know, Joe said, when you, you know, you can be really motivated to put something into practice, but then you're asked not to do that because of consistency. Um, that can be another challenge. Um, so she's come to your session, seen something amazing, but that doesn't quite so, fit. So I've got, I've got a couple of kind of things that you can challenge areas around that so i get that a lot so people will say amjad haven't listened to you we want to then go back to school and say this but they say no no we don't do this because of this so i always say uh to people use this phrase and i think it's a bit of a foolproof phrase but obviously uh let's see how it goes for everyone which is ask the senior leaders or ask the line managers or ask whoever's saying no and say the following phrase to them can i trial this and feed it back to you Mm. And it's very difficult for somebody to say, no, what, why would I want you to trial something that could potentially be more beneficial for our young people and outcomes? And then you feed back to me to then see whether we can move it forward or not, rather than just saying, well, I know some people have gone wrong and they've gone, actually, so-and-so says you need to do this. And that, that then brings a whole ego element into ideas yeah. and people then get their ego hurt and say, actually, this is my idea my policy my framework i've worked hard on this and we need to let go of the ego around those things and if people say actually and and the language we use in my school especially is that if you feel that there's something more efficient and more effective in doing what we want to achieve then let's talk about it let's do it 
So when we first started, we had a marking policy. The head of English took that marking policy, met with all of the other middle leaders and turned it into a feedback policy and said, this is what we think is beneficial for our subjects and our classes and our students. And me, as a new senior leader, was like, brilliant you've just done what i needed to have done better anyway for me so it's great no problem and there's buy-in already there and all of those kind of things so you know let me trial it and feed it back to you but equally we need to as leaders not assign ideas attached to our egos we need to yeah. just say this is efficient effective if it isn't then let's let it go I, I really like that, and, and I think it is, it's always an important reminder that we need to park our egos. We, we you know, we, we need to kind of think more broadly um, about what we're, what we're trying to achieve, and we I mean, we do. You know, we've all got the same aims. We want the the right things for our students. We want to make a difference to their lives, and I'm also, you know, I feel quite seen with with your, that phrase that you shared there because uh, anyone who's ever line managed me, um, I don't know if they were, they'll listen back to this show, they will know that idea of trial or pilot and feedback. Um, yeah, I, I've used that a lot over the years and it is really effective. Um, and, I, and I'm, you know, when I'm saying I want to explore something, I'm not saying it's going to have all the answers, but having that freedom, that opportunity to try something out. And even if it doesn't quite work, we learn a lot through that process. Um, Absolutely. And, and to having that, that opportunity to do that. And, and, and there can be a tension in schools, I suppose, around that because at the same time people think well these students this is their shot at education we can't go messing around too much mm -hmm. but if it just makes a difference and a change that is positive to them at the end you know we're not going to just suddenly go well I'm, you know I'm not going to teach them and um, that, that's my pilot that's my trial I'm going to yeah, use yeah. Um, it's not going to do that anymore yeah <laughs> absolutely um, Mark has a question because he, he likes to throw questions in um, just, to, just to be awkward. Um, hang on. I, nearly, I was going to invite him as a speaker, but I don't think we need to hear him as well here this morning, do we? Um, I was wondering how schools decide who can, can't or can't deliver qu uh, good quality CPD for their staff. So their sort of decision-making process. What uh, should leaders look out for? And what might the red flags be that might suggest that that isn't the direction they want to go in? I think that's an interesting one. What yeah, it's a, it's a fascinating question. And I remember kind of earlier on um, in my leadership days where we would have those lesson observation performers where I would have two columns, CPD need or CPD lead. Um, mm. So say, for example, I have observed Mark in his geography lesson and I thought, you know what, this bit where he's really probing and he's pushing students to elicit their answers further, he can lead CPD on this. I would tick a box on that. And then we would bring that together and we would compile our CPD agenda using the in-house strengths that we have. Equally, if I then went and observed another teacher and I thought, you know what, this teacher really needs CPD on how to probe and elicit deeper levels of understanding around uh, students' learning, we would ask them to attend that CPD session from Mark. So th there's different ways that you can do those kind of things. But essentially, my red flag would be, and I don't know if this is a bit uh, broad, but somebody saying, I've just had CPD from someone else. Can I deliver CPD mm. on this now? Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm not sure that's enough. Or I've just read this book. Can I now deliver CPD on this now? There's yeah. ideas you could extrapolate. Of course, there's there's suggestions, there's things that you could uh, do. But 
if you've read a book on, say, Rosenshine, could you then deliver a whole session on Rosenshine? I'm mm. not sure. Not straight away. Probably you could deliver how you can uh, extrapolate those 10 Rosenshine principles into what it looks like in a classroom. Yes. But that would be maybe my red flag. Yeah. Yeah, I agree totally with that. And uh, and, and we see that often. And, and again, that's something that um, I've heard quite a few people at, at events like Research Ed talk about, where, you know, you've, you've come along, it's really, you're excited, it's an exciting atmosphere, everybody's enthusiastic, because they've kind of given up their time to come along to that. And then they turn up at their own school on Monday morning and say, right, I'm going to deliver this. And this is what we're all going to be looking at. And, and you don't want to sort of push their enthusiasm for an excitement for what they've seen but they need time to think about it and explore it and, and again sometimes our systems in school where we say you've gone on a course you've done a session you've done that reading and then immediately we want you to deliver something around it that perhaps is too fast it, it needs that time to explore and time to embed and time to revisit um, as opposed to straight in there and off you go and, and, and that's what we're now going to look at. Um, Mark says that uh, effective and efficient um, is a great message. He's bigging up his school again, um, Caroline Barlow, <laughs> our SLT, often ask us yeah. what we think we could stop doing or what we could do better. Um, and and I think that's important. And, and as leaders, sometimes we don't, you know, certainly I know that I didn't always stop and pause and ask that question to others i might stop and ask and do ask myself but i didn't always stop and ask that to other staff so there's a lesson in that um, yeah and, and i think i think just to like kind of wrap up this we, the the i wrote a blog many years ago um do you even blog and the reason why i wrote that was because i think so many of us write blogs and our schools might not even know that we blog and mm. the same principle applies the other way where you've got all of these people going out, delivering at research eds, at women eds, at bay med. People mm. don't know actually how great they are at that either. So it's bringing mm. those people in is just as useful and is just as powerful as well. Um, yeah. But ult ultimately, it comes down to, you know, has this person got maybe a track record in this area? Has this person lived or breathed this area? Has this person shown through previous testimonies or previous outcomes that they are the right person for this area? And, you know, it's, it's very problematic because ultimately I'm a teacher that works in a school um, that has led in certain areas that has done it across very uh, different challenging schools. But you have to book someone in basically based on word of mouth. So mm -hmm. has a previous leader seen you, heard you, experienced this, uh, and then what has been the potential impact? Because mm -hmm. otherwise, where do you start, right, Zoe? Like, yeah. what, at what point does somebody go, you know what, I'm new to this and I really want to do this, but actually I haven't spoken before, but mm -hmm. I've done all of this before. And I guess that's the key thing. But you yeah. can't get experience until you get experience. So it's, it's difficult. Yeah, I'm, I'm really keen on trying to give people a platform and amplify um, other voices um, as well and getting them to share that um, because it, it, it can, you know, it becomes that, that echo chamber, isn't it? The same people that you say, mm -hmm. the same voices that are being heard. And, and, and it is really important. But uh, you, you cover that, that well, um, uh, sort of Mark's follow-up question, those people from outside. Mm -hmm. And there is an element of trust there. Yeah, um, that, that we have to put in. But the more we can talk and the more conversations we can have around it, the uh, less likely we are to bring somebody in who just doesn't fit 
what we're hoping to achieve and, and, and our need. Absolutely. And it's extremely flattering when you get a school that will contact you and say, look, we haven't had an external speaker for 15 years, but we want you to come in. And it's amazing. Mm. Um, and I know, for example, I've spoken at Mark's school as well. And so, you know, it's mm. it's uh, it's it's lovely when people see you and they know of your work. And, you know, I don't have a book out yet. Um and yeah, you know, I was going to say, when's that happening? Yeah, well, <laughs> children have been delaying it every time. Every time another one uh, comes along, and so yeah, it, that needs to happen. But it's that idea of you know, people will people have this massive massive assumption about me that I speak at every event, that I'm everywhere, I do this. That, but I'm actually not. I'm I'm actually at very few events and very few kind of situations that people will see the u usual faces, but yeah, I'm kind of put into that bracket of, oh, I'm just speaking again. So actually, if you look at where I actually speak at and how often I speak, it's actually not that many places. Um, I do a lot of work behind the scenes of schools, a lot of kind of work that is done. And that's very much same with the Baymed network work that we do. It's We keep plugging on. Um, and it's not about mm. putting your face out in X, Y, Z way, but the amplification is vital and hence why mm -hmm. you know on events that i organize with jenny and emma we always have a new voice and we always have someone that hasn't been presented mm -hmm. before to say look there's fantastic people out there um but yeah zoe thank you so much for inviting me to you speak been, um, I know i've kept i've kept you much longer than i promised but it's been so fascinating and um, we'll probably carry this on on twitter um, at some point and pick up some of these points but thank you so much for giving up your saturday morning my pleasure me. and thank it's you so been, much for anyone that's been listening hurt. and participating thank you again no definitely All we're, right. we're take no care. doubt carry on the conversation take care now bye-bye definitely bye oh fantastic um I, I've actually, you know, I've, I've got probably a million and one more questions that um, I could ask Amjad about that. But um, I've got quite a few things to to walk away from that discussion and uh, think about and consider and, and think about in terms of my own practice. Personally, I find uh, delivering in schools or, or talking to other teachers and presenting to other teachers, I learn quite a lot um, through that experience. And that's one of the things you, you I, I get quite nervous about talking to, to new groups of people. I'm not a particularly confident person, but at the same time, I know that I'm always going to discover something and learn something from those conversations and those reflections. And I think that what I've got to really refine on further is that is those opportunities to follow up. And sometimes it can be a bit job finished. So you've, you've delivered there for the day. And I always, um, you know, do some kind of evaluation around it. I will always contact um, schools later and, and say, you know, and, and, and there's that tension because perhaps they're thinking, oh, she's just touting for, for more work or something like that. But I, I want to know how it's going, what's been developed, has it made a difference? Um, what can, again, I learn from that process? What might I need to take back and consider, not just in terms of presenting, but in terms of the thinking and how that school's um, done that? So that's an area that I'm thinking of and, con and, and considering. So any ideas around that, I would, I would really appreciate exploring further about the follow-up. So I talked quite a lot about the lead-in and Amjad talked quite a lot about that lead-in and talking to the leaders and exploring with the leaders, but then what about after? because it isn't really for me job finished job done there should be something more and, and an opportunity to feed into those ongoing discussions and, and I, that's why i like at the moment that i'm delivering lots of sessions which aren't one-offs 
And I'm really enjoying that because you're starting to develop a relationship with those people and understanding about what, what that's like. The, the other day I was delivering something for um, early career teachers that I've been working with since September. And we had a moment where they asked a question, a practical question about their classroom. And they were having some issues um, in relation to attention because of their classroom layout. And um, you know, we turned. She turned her camera around. She turned her computer around, and we did a little walk around of her classroom. I've never been in it, but um, we did a little walk around the classroom. And then myself and the other people in the group, we made some suggestions about what could go forward. So you know, I, I really like that element of CPD, but uh, and making sure that it's having an impact. And when she comes back next time, we'll talk about the changes that we suggested and whether it made a difference to the attention of the students that she was focusing in on. So um, lots again for me to think about and lots for me to consider um, about how I might do things. And I'm really interested to hear of other people's experiences, having a look on Twitter um, seeing what they're saying. Or uh, again, we have still got a few minutes if anybody would like to call in. I'll just check back through the chat in case I missed anything. That um, Hopefully no questions for Amjad, um, that we, I may well have missed. Thank you, Joe. We love you on this show because you are always so positive. Um, yes, Mark, I, I, I will speak to you in a few minutes. I don't need you to call into my radio show. I'm sorry if that seems a little bit harsh. Um, and I, I think I've done okay. I was going to come back to um, Joe's point, and I'm hoping Joe's still here, about uh, Patrice's um uh, patrice bain's version of uh, that that kind of um follow-on sheet that what are you going to do with your cpd and uh, uh, you mentioned that she actually did that at the event and that uh, you were given some kind of response sheet some kind of way to collect ideas and think about what you were taking forward um and that sounds really uh, again an interesting way to do because these one-off sessions they can easily get lost and they can easily kind of sit alone to do that the next thing I'm going to be exploring in a few weeks' time, um, I, I really want to know more about primary. I'm, I'm in a very lucky position that I'm going into a lot more primary schools now, um, working more closely with the primary team at my work um, and, and discussing things from a, a, a primary perspective um, on, on the MPQ uh, suite that I'm delivering. I had quite a few primary teachers in that session that we, we were talking, but I'm particularly interested in anyone who's leading CPD in primary schools and finding out how things are different, how they are approaching things, um, what particular barriers that they have to that. Um, <laughs> it is, uh, sorry, that, that was just me reading Mark's comment. I'll come back to that in a moment. He's interrupting me again. Um, but I, I'm really interested in hearing about uh, what's going on in primary in terms of, of development. And we know that that's quite a hot topic in terms of um, what Ofsted are asking for in the <laughs> EIF and uh, what they're looking for in the inspection framework and, and, and the issues that are presented there. We know that there are different priorities potentially in some primary schools um, and, and also interesting in terms of staffing and timings, things are different. Um, I, I don't want to make them sound like an alien species or anything like that. I, yeah, I want to know what's working well and what's going well, uh, as well as those barriers and what they're doing to do that. The reason I laugh is um, that I've got a comment in, in here. I won't say it's from. It says, biggest issue, other than you being rude, is the lack of QA 
for CPD providers. This was quite a controversial topic when it came up a while ago that I know that the Chartered College uh, of Teaching was looking at that um, quality assurance mark. Um, it says for every Zoe or Amjad, there is someone massively overextending and trying to deliver on things they know sweet FA about big issue in leadership. And, and yeah, I, again, I've seen lots of conversation recently with the new MP um, Q suites and, uh, and qualifications and who's actually delivering those and, and who's leading on those. And I know some providers, are, you know, I, I haven't been inside all of providers, but some providers have worked really hard to do that. But there are still some questions to be raised, um, possibly a role for the new Institute of Teaching. Again, that might be a slightly controversial um, comment there, but uh, we will see how that goes and where we'll take it. So thank you so much for joining me today and listening and sending in your comments, um, those constructive comments that came in and those good questions that came in. The others, you know who you are. Um, but later today, we've got uh, Emma Williams, who's coming in for our Saturday brunch show, and then Joseph Hammond taking you into lunch, Mary Akello and Miss Saeed into the evening slots. So there's lots to listen to and lots to look forward to. Um, have an absolutely lovely Saturday. The sun has come out. I'm very excited that there's actually sunshine coming through the window and some warmth here. So maybe things are turning, maybe things are changing. Um, but I will catch you on Twitter and have a conversation. Thank you You've very much. You've been listening Bye. to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.